the best Blue Jays show out there, period. Blair and Barker. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. With no Maple Leafs yesterday and tonight, we've had an opportunity to watch a little bit more NHL action. Saw the Oilers and the Kings last night. That has been an electric series. I wish they could play 12, 15 games. Just let those guys play it out for a while because it's been fun. It's a strange dynamic because it seems like like Edmonton was shot out of a cannon last year post-LA. Mm-hmm. And it seems like LA's doing the same thing where they're just really problematic. Is it Phil Deneau? We got to ask Shana about that. But it seems like Phil Deneau is just like the whisperer. <laughs> He's changed everything. When it comes to Connor McDavid. It's still the Leon Dreisaitl show, but a couple more, like Nick Bukestad had a couple last night. So the Oilers are getting their contributions they need. It looks like they're going to survive, but uh, L.A. just seems like the perfect team to trip them mm-hmm. up. Yep, 3-2 series lead Edmonton after a 6-3 win over the Kings at home last night. Um, let's talk to our insider. Brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. It's Shana Goldman, NHL writer at The Athletic and co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. Shana, has the Oilers-Kings series been at the top of your viewing list, or are you tiptoeing into Leafs lightning? Because, I mean, obviously our attention has been mostly there. Well, I think it's a great series, the Kings-Oilers. It's probably the one I was the most excited about because it was so good last year and the Kings had that, like, disrupt their quality and now you have them so improved from last year from even season start. Like, they just kept getting better as the year went on. And then you have the Oilers, like, the other most improved team since the deadline and the team that actually made smart moves, the thing no one could have seen coming. So, yeah, that, that series is up there for me. But the best one so far, I have to say, Colorado-Seattle. The quality of hockey in these games, the pace, best series so far. Okay, let's let's. Uh, you like staying up late. We'll give you that. Yeah, we we don't <laughs> yeah, have that option. We can't. We can't. Although we might that, have disrupted Shana. your routine last night, <laughs> asking you to get up early. Let's start with uh, Seattle and Colorado. No, I stayed up. Come on. Yeah, that's. I mean, dedicated to the craft, of course. Um, so. I think everyone saw Colorado like that's a bit of a diminished team, just a little bit. But, you know, we expect them to get through Seattle. I mean, Kale McCarr, uncharacteristically getting suspended. It seems like they have been a legitimate curveball that Colorado is dealing with. So how have they leveled the playing field if the playing field even needed to be leveled? I mean, it was an impressive season for Seattle, but we're talking about a team that looked like last year. How are they ever going to be beaten? I mean, they're going to be right back there next year. But, you know, the cost of winning did hurt Colorado, but maybe more than we ever imagined it would. How do you measure up those two teams, and does it deserve to be 2-2 right now? Yeah, like, they're, it's a really interesting series because it's going to test what we know about what works in the playoffs. And, like, right now, what we know is that star power tends to lead the way. You know, top of the lineup, top six is more important than the bottom six, though we all stress rolling four lines, and that's how you keep everyone like fresh for the postseason. Like, all of that's true, but star power tends to lead the way. And who has better star power than Colorado with McKinnon, Rantanen, McCarr, Taves? Like, that team is built to succeed, even with the Landeskog injury, which obviously it would have helped if they either acquired another winger or, or a second-line center, because I think if you add Landeskog back into the mix, it kind of makes up for where they lack on that second line. But they're so good. They're so much above the rest that it really doesn't matter. And with Seattle, 
we know what made them successful all year. You have a team that rolled four lines. You have a team that, you know, has the most unique goal scorers of anybody. They're really good defensively. They finally have goal support. You know, a couple weaknesses in net and the power play. But what's been really interesting about the series to make it even is, you know, you see Seattle coming out to a hot start. That's something that I think is pretty big against the Avalanche because you can't trail them, can't fall behind because the second you do, you know, you're chasing them, which nobody needs to do. They're too good. The other part of it is their power kill. Their penalty kill is one of the best in the league. There's players like Wenberg who's really good. Yanni Gord is one of the best. He's elite with Tampa Bay and, you know, he's elite with Seattle too at killing penalties. That's taken away something we know to be a threat for Colorado. It was a series that surprisingly had the fewest power play goals. We really didn't expect much from Seattle, but the fact that Colorado can't score on the advantage and only did last game for the first time in the entire series, that's pretty big. Let's stick with the Central Division quadrant uh, and ask you about Minnesota and Dallas, and actually more specifically Minnesota. I mean, I know Dallas took the advantage last night. Rope Hintz leading the postseason in scoring, uh, and they're one win away from the second round. But Minnesota, I, I've been marveling at them because this is kind of the new island of misfit toys. It's kind of Vegas-like from a couple years ago where they went out and just bargained base shopping, Klingberg for nothing, Nyquist for nothing. It's kind of a group that is kind of put together, not haphazardly, pretty expertly, I would say, but these are kind of guys that have been given up on in other areas or not looked at as the same player. And Dean Evison seems to get the most out of them. And I know they're trailing the series, but if you look at those two teams on paper, you would expect Dallas to be up. So I guess the question I've been waiting for someone who would know to ask it is Dean Evison, the most underrated coach in the league, given what he gets out of his team and how that brand of hockey, how that style of hockey is so instilled into a group that is not the most talented really on paper. Good question. Um, I'm hit or miss on Dean Evison. Like I think with the group he has, especially defensively, you see, you know, like the wild strength is their system. It's the defensive structure. It's that they support their goaltending, and they have really good goaltending this year, the best they've had in a couple of years. Like, the goalies have been in a good position to succeed because of their defense. They haven't always, like, responded as well to their workload as they could have, but Gustafson's been above and beyond. But offensively, you look at that group, and they figured out some combinations, and they've been stretched in. Like, the center depth that they have is pretty terrible, and now that you take out, you know, like some like Joel neck and it's it's strained even further. I think he gets some credit for what he gets out of it, but I do think too, like coaches so often galaxy brain decisions that you look at it and there are some things that are a little bit questionable there, but it's not on him, you know, the roster he has to work with. But like we're seeing the holes in the lineup only be like exacerbated this series because of the injuries piling up for Minnesota. And it's a little bit more lopsided than it should be, but it, it's like where they are right now. So let's shift to the Toronto Maple Leafs because it's going to be a, a big night tomorrow night. Uh, Maple Leafs have the opportunity to win a first-round playoff series for the first time in a long time. But the series has been up and it has been down. But something that's been constant since the arrival was Ryan O'Reilly and his impact to this team. And I know you wrote a great article at The Athletic um, how the NHL's 10 big deadline deals were faring in the playoffs. And I think we can all agree that Ryan O'Reilly has won over the hearts of uh, Leafs Nation here. How do you start to measure the impact that Ryan O'Reilly has done on this team? And I know there's a lot of intangibles like his leadership qualities and how he's been able to you know, give Matthew Nyes a little bit of a boost on that on that wing as well. But when you're trying to break this down and you're the smart one, how do you start to put value on Ryan O'Reilly? 
Yeah, so, you know, we have to kind of separate what we know about him before he came to the Maple Leafs. Like, we knew he's one of the best playoff performers. Mm -hmm. We know he's one of the premier shutdown centers in the league. But this season, that wasn't the case. We knew in St. Louis that he was a really good playmaker. He had no one to finish his chances. The defensive numbers were pretty tough, but he was trying to drive a line by himself with a really fractured blue line. So we had to kind of throw away a lot of what we knew and kind of start from scratch in Toronto because it's it's a new environment for him. And I think the Leafs handled him really well to start. Like when you're joining a new team on the fly, which he did so quickly, he jumped into the lineup in back-to-back games. He didn't get much time to practice. You have to put them in the best position they can to succeed. And they did that, putting him with Tavares and Marner and keeping him at his natural position of center, which I think helps even more. You don't have to worry about systems and strategies as much. You just play with two really, really good players you know, you have one of the best two-way wingers in the league, and you have a very good offensive, technically, center, but winger in stars. Like, it was really smart when he was injured. It was really tough, though, because they didn't get to measure how he would handle that third line by himself, which was the big question, right? Is he still good defensively? Can he still drive his own line if he doesn't have the support? And the fact that they're getting that in the playoffs now, I think is really encouraging. Like you can look at what he's doing on the score sheet and what he's doing in all situations, but he's just adding a ton of versatility to the lineup. Like that, I think is a huge advantage because I mean, he primarily plays center, but if you have a forward who can play center or wing and you have those options to mix and match your lines a little bit differently, that's good. But on that third line, the defensive numbers are not perfect. They're not terrible, but they're not, perfect what you expect them to be but most importantly that line drives play and that's what you know I really look for you see the offense that they create it's the best of any of the line combinations uh, the Maple Leafs are putting out there right now and you look at the fact that they're rocking almost a 60% expected goals rate which is really good Um, and they have the results in their minutes it just feels like it's clicking well because you have you know the veteran presence and all the intangible goals but you have someone who's very good down the middle and is a good stabilizing force even at this point in his career. Yeah, I think stabilizing force is the perfect way to put Ryan O'Reilly. I mean, we called him the rock of this team a little bit where you just throw him out there, you know, you're going to get a good shift, you can absorb a lot. And yeah, you mentioned the defensive metrics. They're not like brilliant because, well, he's saddled with a lot. And he's also saddled with shepherding a, a, you know, a rookie guy, a guy who just made the jump from college. So a lot on his plate and he's dealt with it beautifully. And I think the parallel to that on the lightning side is Victor Hedman. He missed game two, the lightning got hammered. Every time he's on the ice now, it seems even when he's dealing with the injury that he's dealing with, he's kind of tilted it in favor of the Tampa Bay Lightning. But, you know, the with or without you, with or without Victor Hedman, not looking so hot. Like, can you describe the difference between a Victor Hedman-led Lightning from shift to shift to when he's sitting on the bench and what that actually means for the Lightning? Yeah, like, at this point in the series, or even if we look at the entire year, like, Victor Hedman is not Victor Hedman. It's one of his worst seasons yet. And we've seen it happen where he has like an iffy regular season and turns it on in the playoffs, no matter the injury. And it feels like that's the case here, but it was definitely a tough year for him. Like his defensive numbers struggled. He even lost power play one at times to Sergeyev. And it kind of like goes back to the question of why the lightning spent as much as they did on one player, instead of taking a couple more assets and maybe adding a depth defenseman, which this team really needed. It seemed like that at the time. And I think it's only further strained now, but the fact that he's playing through injury, Definitely is an ideal, but, you know, in his minutes still, the Lightning are the better team. He's seen a lot of Ryan O'Reilly and, you know, a good amount of Marner too. And if you can 
at the very least contain a player like Marner and, you know, not let him play to his strengths and run around the ice doing whatever he wants to do, you know, like that's a good thing. But it does feel like as much as they're limiting shot quantity, like there's still, you can see some struggles when they're trying to actually limit the quality of the chances in his minutes. So it's not peak Victor Hedman, but it's the best that the Lightning have to offer right now. You look at the rest of that defense and someone like Sergeyev doesn't thrive in the matchup game and Chernak is injured when, and he's not even as good when he doesn't have someone like Ryan McDonough, who's, you know, they could absorb that top competition really well. So you're kind of seeing all of that weigh on Hedman some more, but even injured, he's one of the better defensemen in Tampa, which isn't a good sign for them if, you know, an injured player is, but you know, we talk about elite talent at their best. They're above the rest without question, even injured. A lot of them can still be above average. And it seems like that's the case here. We're talking to Shana Goldman, NHL writer at The Athletic and co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. So if we're looking at ways that maybe the Maple Leafs have had the upper hand, it has been certainly in net. Uh, Maybe something that we didn't expect with Vasilevsky being Vasilevsky and uh, us having Samsonov uh, on our, you know, question mark at times. But we have certainly seen a different Vasilevsky this series in the numbers and the way that you analyze it. Has he really declined or are we seeing something maybe a little bit eye test versus stats? No, his numbers aren't as good as they you'd expect them to be. And he's coming off a regular season where he had some of his best numbers yet. And some of that was because he was facing his toughest workload yet. And he was just responding the best to it. But last series, you know, if we go back to last year, Vasilevsky wasn't that great to open the series until it mattered the most, until his back was against the world, against the wall. It was game six and seven. When he's facing elimination, he puts on a show that few others can compare to. So the big question is going to be, how does he change now that the pressure changes? Because if we look so far by the numbers, game one, he gave them a quality start. But since then, it's been three poor showings. In game two, obviously, his night, I'm sure, could have been limited. I'm sure he didn't want it to be limited and he stayed in net and, you know, that's going to sink his numbers too. But, you know, game three and game four weren't his best performances either. And for game four in particular, you look at the way the Lightning were controlling play until they weren't and the way his workload was so light. So when he allowed those goals against, it's going to really, you know, make his numbers look as poorly as they do. But yeah, it, it hasn't been his best postseason at all. And it's possible that, you know, Three long years are weighing on him. It's possible that the workload he faced the entire regular season is weighing on him, and it's possible that the team in front of him still has some weaknesses. But, you know, tonight, tomorrow night is going to be the big test of does he go back to playoff fast lefty or, you know, is it going to be more of the same of what it's been this series? Shana, what's your take on the performance of the, I guess, you, you maybe call it number one pair, shutdown pair at least, of TJ Brody uh, and Jake McCabe? It seems like TJ Brody has made some uncharacteristic mistakes, some of which have cost the team, the, the team some of which have not. And Jake McCabe seems like he's having trouble at least being the defenseman we saw in the final couple weeks for the Maple Leafs when he really settled into his new role. Uh, how have you evaluated their start, and, and how can they sort of balance um, what has been inconsistent results, at least so far? Yeah, I think the Maple Leafs are kind of a test of like, did you do too much at the play, you know, at the deadline? Did you change your roster too much? I think a lot of the changes they made are really smart, but sometimes there's too many to balance, and that can be really tricky because you only have so much time to mix and match and figure out what works, and it seems like it took them a bit in the regular season to get there. Um, that pair. You know, if you look at expected goals against compared to, they only have 
three pairs that have really played enough time to measure. But if you look at that, you know, they actually have conceded the least, but it does look like the mistakes they make are very glaring, which can happen. And we're all super, super biased. So when we see something like super stark, we react to it, know it, that's what's going to stay in our mind. Um, The one real drawback of this line is that they don't do much offensively in their minutes. And, you know, you don't expect this to be the pair to drive play. You expect that to be someone like Morgan Riley's pair. But it is still, like, noteworthy that the entire team generates way less, you know, shots, way fewer quality chances, and has fewer goals in their minutes. So in today's game, a modern defenseman doesn't just defend. They create offense. They turn defense into offense. And I think if we saw a little bit more of that, you know, which, again, you only expected so much from this pair. But if you saw a little bit more of that and a little bit more pace, I think it would be better for them, better for the Leafs. But it's not as terrible as it could be. It's not perfect. Uh, I think there are others who are struggling a little bit more. Uh, curious your take on the Carolina Hurricanes, who uh, tried, I think, to fix some longstanding issues, being like elite scoring and goaltending, but maybe haven't really done so, at least to the desired effect. Uh, they had a chance to put away the New York Islanders last night at home ice, could not do that. Now they'll have to play at least a game six. Uh, but this team is one of those analytical darlings. They're the team that is kind of the standard bearer in a lot of ways, but they seem to have, or they have had difficulty having that success in the post, in the regular season, rather, um, translate into the postseason. Do they have they changed enough to make it so that they will have postseason success, or you know they trip up or unfortunate to lose a guy like Max Pacioretty, of course, Svechnikov. Like, is it the same old story with Carolina? Even if they meant to change things up and just have run into some unfortunate luck. Yeah, it is, but it isn't because they actually did try to change that. They brought in Max Pacioretty. They did what they needed to do. It's just unfortunate how it worked out. And when it came to the deadline, yes, they could have gone for another score, but they were settled with who they had, and that was Svechnikov. And obviously, things transpired the way they did. I think it's tough to look back and go, oh, they should have done more at the deadline. Um, There weren't too many options. It did seem like they tried. They were in on players like Timo Meyer. So, it, it seems like they knew the problem and they tried to fix it, but there were only so many options. So instead, they went the Kings way and brought in a very good play driver who can't finish his chances, which fits in like all too perfectly. And then another depth defenseman who would probably thrive in their system and got spear, which is the case too. So it's all like super on brand. The thing with them is though, I don't know if we can look around the league at any other team that has such a strong identity that the Hurricanes do. Like every single team, I think they play a style and we know that to be true. The Canes, you have this block of years of playing Rod Brindamore's system of their strong defense and suffocating forecheck. So it's not just they're the Corsi Canes, which they are. It's it's the entire system that is so successful for them. Do they still need more finishers? Absolutely. But are we seeing players step up in this series up against one of the best goalies in the world finish their chances higher than expected. That is also true because it's so impressive that you can have someone like Mason who can play on a fourth line, step up into the lineup and thrive because that system's there. It's like one of the most supportive teams you could be on besides I would say maybe Boston and really jump up in the lineup and have success. But in another series where they go up against a team with a little more star power, could we see it bite them? Absolutely. It might be the same old story. Once we get there, I think they'll be fine here. And it's impressive that they are against Sorokin, considering what we know to be their weakness. But I think as they move through the East, they're going to run into the problem of 
that they don't have enough goal scorers. And while it's not fully on them, they still probably could have tried to add, you know, tried a little bit more to add something at the deadline to go against what they have, right, and look for a a complementary skill set to what this lineup already has. Last one for you here, Shana. Uh, One thing we've been reaching for, at least when things were – I mean, it hasn't necessarily gone poorly for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but there's been some moments of criticism for sure for us, things to point out. And I feel like one of them is like, you know, we've been waiting on the superstars to look like elevated superstars, if that makes any sense. And you look at a team like the Edmonton Oilers and specifically Leon Dreisaitl, who is the ultimate playoff performer. It seems someone who takes his game, which is already brilliant, to the next level. And I think it's fair to want more from Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews, but maybe we've taken it a little too far with a guy like Leon Dreisaitl, who has been brilliant all season long and is brilliant in this series against the Kings, but maybe not to the extent that we've at least romanticized about. So when you look at Leon Dreisaitl, when you look at Connor McDavid, and Connor McDavid's dealing with the Phil Deneau factor, but a guy like Leon Dreisaitl, is he actually taking his game to a completely different level in the playoffs, or is it just a little bit more attention to a player who's always been so brilliant? No, he takes his game to another level in the playoffs. And the thing with Dreisaitl is when you look at the regular season, it really wasn't very good for him. I think it was uh, mid-February when things started to change. Before that, he wasn't able to drive his own line on the second line, which is kind of the worst thing for the Oilers if they have to stack the two together to have a chance to win because, you know, you need a little bit more balance. You can't have it that your two best players are stacked on that line and here's someone who's supposed to play center playing the wing because, you know, he's struggling on his own. But uh, when we saw them shift them apart again, I think it was late February, it might be early March, we kind of saw everything change and Dreisaitl really hit his stride and, jumped out as one of the better players at five on five, which isn't something we always expect him to be like, you know, on this team, considering the power play, they tend to score like 60% of, you know, the top unit tends to score like 60% of their points on that top unit. And it's not the most sustainable way to be if you're not putting up as much as five on five, but we saw that start to change for him. And we did carry that momentum into the playoffs, which I think is a positive for the Oilers. And then once he gets there, we saw it to be true last year when he was working with one leg, but this year, even more so, even if he's not winning the shot battle at all times with Andre Kopitar, and I think he's having an easier time with that matchup most nights versus McDavid against Deneau, you know, he's coming up big in the big moments. He's putting up points at five on five. And at times, that is with Conor McDavid because the Oilers put them together so both of them would produce uh, because it's a little bit, you know, tougher for someone like Deneau to contain them when the two are together. But between that and his power play scoring, He's upped his game a lot, and I think it's super impressive. Like, it, he's already a superstar, and he's just taking it up a notch. Uh, the Kings will have more control of the matchup when it shifts back to L.A. for Game 6. The Oilers have a chance to close out. Uh, we're reaching almost the end of Round 1 of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and it has been very, very fun to watch. We appreciate the insight, Shana. Hopefully we can get you on again soon. And, uh, yeah, keep enjoying the playoffs uh, and giving us great content at The Athletic. Thanks for having me. At Shana Goldman, NHL writer for The Athletic and co-host of the Too Many Men podcast. And our insider brought to you by Don Valley North Lexus, where you can expect excellence online and in the showroom. Visit DonValleyNorthLexus.com. Breaking news while we were on the air. Go on. The Toronto Maple Police are headed to Sweden. Mm. They got selected finally to play some games overseas, the 2023 NHL Global Series in Sweden. Alongside the Red Wings, the Wild, and the Senators, they'll headline uh, this little trip overseas. Really, really great, especially coming off the Boreas Salming um, 
death and, and the way that the, the the team has honored his legacy and there's a lot of Swedes on this team as well. So I think it'll be a really, really great opportunity. I'm. It's not till November, but man, it's an exciting time. Uh, it'll be the 16th to the 19th of November in Stockholm. So it hasn't been uh, an often for the Maple Leafs to head overseas to get to play in some of these global games, but they're getting the chance. So the Senators also going, but it mm-hmm. looks like the Leafs are going to play the Red Wings and Wild there. That's yes. interesting. So battle, they'll play those Save the two. Battle of Ontario for Ontario. <laughs> yeah, I like that. The games are at Avicii Arena. Avicii Arena. I didn't like realize Avicii, it. Avicii? Avicii had a, I assume. Yeah, I mean, he is Swedish, right? He is Swedish. Wow. Yeah. I think it'll be really re- great, like really, really great timing to do this. Um, unless you're Pierre Engvall or Rasmus Sandin. <laughs> you had to, eh? Well, I'm just saying. They're probably looking at this thing, really? <laughs> but there's a lot of Swedes on this team. Still this Swedish contingent. Yeah, it'll be a, it'll be a fun time for old William Nylander. Leafs Assuming have... William Nylander. Okay. I won't go. I'm not going there. Not going Justin. There. Not going there. Right now they have uh, Gustafsson Swedish, Pontus Holmberg Swedish, Kelly Yarncroak is Swedish, Shalgren is Swedish, so they'll probably bring him there. Lilgren and Nylander. <laughs> Yeah, it's a I lot mean, of Swedes. It's a lot of Swedes, but uh, I mean, we don't even, I'm joking about Nylander. <laughs> a couple of those guys probably won't be with the team next year. Ooh. Well. Nonetheless, awesome. I'm very much open to doing the fan morning show from Sweden. Just putting that out there now. Timing would be probably be good, right? It would be like mid-afternoon. We don't have to wake up at 4.30. We could do the show at a regular hour and just be on yeah. when, at, you know, the same hour here. I know you're nice. listening, Fabro and Dan super up to it. No problem here. I mean, the Australia would have been really fun to get that opportunity, but Sweden, just second best. I'll head to Sweden, no problem. Listen, it's all about incentive, right? Play well, lineup stays the same. That's true. We perform well. Maybe they'll send us to Sweden. All right, let's wrap up our show with uh, one of the greats, Ed Belfour. He's going to join us on the other side of the break. Uh, two-time Vesna winner, uh, Hog Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champ, and was a net for the Leafs' last postseason series victory. Game 7 versus the Ottawa Senators in 2004. It is now 2023. How the time has flown by. Can they do it on Thursday night? Let's chat about that and all the memories of that time. Uh, Ed Belfour on the other side of the break. Breaking down the top stories in the NHL every day. The Jeff Merrick Show. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Back on the Fan Morning Show, Sports at 590 fan Justin and Ailish wrapping up a wonderful Wednesday here in the city of Toronto before the big one tomorrow. Baby Friday, Maple Leafs Game 5, home ice opportunity to clinch a first-round series win. And somebody that knows quite well what that feels like is Ed Belfour, former NHL goalie, Hockey Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champ, and a two-time Vesna Trophy winner. You were last in goal when the Maple Leafs did what they have the opportunity to do tomorrow night, but it was 2004. Does it feel like as long as it sounds when I say that out loud? <laughs> Not really. Uh, <laughs> almost seems like yesterday. You know, it's, uh, it was a special time of the year, the playoffs, and uh, it just so electric in in Toronto, and I can imagine what's going on there right now. It's uh, a lot of fun. 
Yeah, like impossible to know that it's going to be almost 20 years, right, since the last one when you did win that series against the Ottawa Senators uh, in seven games. But, like, what did that feel like, winning a playoff series wearing a Toronto Maple Leaf sweater? Uh, how special is that? Absolutely amazing. Um, you know, like I was saying, the, the city is just electric and, you know, the, the fans are in, in the streets screaming and going crazy. And it's just it's just a lot of fun to be part of. And, you know, that's what I was saying. I can imagine what's going on right now, the anticipation, the excitement. And, uh, you know, we just got to keep the momentum going. So a fascinating goaltending matchup between the Lightning and the Maple Leafs. Uh, on one side, it's like the standard bearer right now. Andre Vasilevsky, the guy who's won two Stanley Cups, Conn Smythe Trophy, considered maybe one of the greatest of his generation. And then Ilya Samsonov, this new guy who was given up on at the end of last year by the Washington Capitals, and he's kind of been the savior uh, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. When you size these two up, is it is it clear advantage, Tampa? Are you surprised that it seems like the better goalie's been Samsonov so far? What do you make of this goaltending matchup? Well, I think, you know, both great goalies. I mean, Vasilevsky, obviously what he's done in the last uh, four years is amazing. Um, it seems like uh, the Leafs have found some, uh, maybe a, a little bit of uh, weakness there. He was like, uh, you know, the blocker side has been giving them a little bit of problems. Um, I don't know if that's just a fluke or what, but uh, there's been some really nice goals scored and, you know, picking the corners and, you know, Riley's been, uh, you know, just smoking hot. And uh, what a beautiful deflection uh, Austin made last game. That was amazing. Come back and, you know, it's just a, a momentum swing that you love to see. And, and you could just see him building that, uh, that energy throughout the game. And, you know, for them to come back like that, that's a huge confidence builder. And, uh, you know, as far as the goaltending goes, you know, you just have to, keep making that next save, you know, and, um, you know, he's doing that for the Leafs and he's, he's standing in there making some big saves for them. And, you know, that's what playoffs is all about is making those big saves, timely saves. And, uh, he's doing a great job with that. And you just have to keep doing the same thing over and over, you know, and just, you know, try not to uh, get too far ahead of himself. Uh, you can speak to this clearly as a Stanley Cup champion, Ed, but the physical toll on a goaltender that has to get up for a playoff game after playoff game after playoff game every other night, the stakes, the the, the intensity that, uh, you know, that it is, uh, that you is required in those moments. And plays and every single one of plays, them, too. Doesn't come out of the game. Andre Vasilevsky's played all these playoff games over and over and over again, year after year. Can you imagine the physical toll or is that somewhat overstated given that, you know, it's something that we can't imagine, but we can only imagine that it does have an effect over time. And eventually you just can't do it at the same level. Well, it's what, you know, we're, we're counted on to do as a starter. You know, you, play 60 games a year and and you're counted on to play all the playoff games so you know i've always put that pressure on myself to to be ready for that and um you know the training staff for me was a a big part of of that you know they always really took care of me you know after the games you know with the you know the hot and cold tubs and massage and you know the warm down after the game and you know for sure the prep before the games for me you know, getting me ready for the games. Those guys, you know, play an integral part in in uh, getting the starting goalie 
you know, up and ready and, and healthy, keeping them healthy for the games. And, you know, those guys behind the scenes, they, they've they done a, a great job, I'm sure, for Vasilevsky and, and anybody who plays that many games. Um, so I, I think, you know, for myself, you had that mindset that uh, you have to be ready. Uh, you know, right after the game uh, that you just played, your focus right away turns to the next game. And, and you have to be ready to do that night after night after night during the playoffs because you can't have a let-up. You can't have a bad game in the playoffs. You know, it, it could be the difference. It usually is. So physically, there's a lot of things that the goaltending definitely needs to address, especially if you're playing lengthy playoff series. But I want to ask you about like the mental angle of it as well and dealing with nerves and dealing with pressure, and especially in the Toronto market because there's a lot of that here. Um, and Ilya Samsonov came in as a new face, and I guess the conversation has kind of shifted to he's not really talking to the media right now, which is totally his his uh, his he can do whatever he wants. I wonder if it's just great to shut, to shut that out. And if, if you need to get in your own bubble mentally and say, I'm not going to address anything. I'm going to play my game and we can talk post series. And if you kind of took the similar approach when you were in, you know, big moments here in a media market with a lot of pressure. Well, there's definitely a lot of pressure there in Toronto. Um, and, and, you know, that can play on you sometimes. It's, if it's not handled correctly in, in the media, some of the questions can be very challenging. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, Toronto, the, the, the media staff there, they, they handle, uh, you know, the questions for the players pretty well, the, the time, you know, that's given to the media. For me, they did a great job for me. You know, they bring me out, I'd be out there for about five minutes, answer a couple questions, and then I had to get back into the locker room and, you know, finish my warm-down and stuff. And, I, you know, I was lucky. The media, I think, uh, you know, gave me a break on a lot of that. And and I think they understand that, uh, you know, the goalie's different breed and, you know, they give them that extra space they need. So I'm glad that they're they're giving Samson off uh, the time needed. And he needs to focus on you know, what he needs to do to get ready for the next game and, and for that current game. And, you know, some guys love the media and some guys just, you know, like to uh, talk the least amount they can to the media. I was one of those guys. I didn't didn't really like being, you know, out there in the spotlight, you know, taking up 20, 30 minutes talking to the media. And, you know, my focus was on getting ready for the next game. And I think that was the very important part of it. When was the most comforting time, at least mentally, to play the position? I mean, we've been psychoanalyzing Ilya Samsonov all year, which isn't fair, but that's what we have to do uh, because this is a new goalie and we're trying to learn about his tendencies and what he's going to deliver in playoff games. And when he's, you know, wobbled early, he's settled down and kept this team in it. Is it easier to play the position when you're already trailing? Is it harder because you know you can't make the next mistake? I mean, one-goal games have to be nerve-wracking, but also playing with a lead might be a little nerve-wracking as well. Is there like a, a situational factor, a game state, where you felt the most comfortable? Uh, you know, you, you have to maintain that focus till, till the end of the game. You can never get ahead of yourself. You can't play the scoreboard at all. Like, uh, you have to focus on that next save and, you know, the momentum of the game. You know, if you, you sense that your team might be struggling a little bit or uh, your opponent has, has got, you know, momentum, they got things going for them, you got to slow the game down. And, 
when you're aware of those things, you can help your team tremendously. And so I always tried to focus on, you know, that momentum in the game, you know, slowing it down when I could and, and keeping it, keep the play going when our, our team was hot and, you know, had momentum and, and they were, you know, flying and you could sense that they were confident. You keep the puck moving that way. You know, that's one of the big things as a goalie is just, you know, stay in that moment. Don't play the scoreboard. And, um, you know, one save at a time and compete. You got to compete every shift. Compete, compete, compete. Don't don't worry about what's going on, you know, in the stands, you know, because you got people yelling at you. You got people throwing things at you sometimes. You just have to stay focused. We're talking to Ed Belfort, former NHL goalie, Hall of Famer, Stanley Cup champ. Um, so Maple Leafs have this big opportunity in their hands at home tomorrow night. Uh, what are the keys to closing out a series, not just goaltender-wide, but team-wide? If you're headed into the locker room and maybe you're down in the first intermission or it's a tied-up game, what's the type of mental fortitude or the conversation in a locker room when you have this opportunity in your hands and you just need to, to grab one win here? You don't change anything. You know, they're they got momentum going right now for them. They got some confidence and, uh, you know, that, that energy that you need, that confidence that you need, you just keep doing the same thing. Don't change your routine. You know, don't try and do anything extra special. Uh, you know, you gotta keep your emotions under control. You know, things are going to get really intense. You know, the refs might make a bad call. You can't, you know, lose your top on the bench or out on the ice and, you know, just stay focused on, keeping the pedal to the to the floor and, and just keep pressuring, you know, working, keep that momentum going and, um, you know, play smart. You got to keep your head in the game. Last one for you, Ed. Uh, you're out in Texas running Belfour Spirits, a whiskey, whiskey company, rather, uh, based out of Dallas. So we got to ask you about the Dallas Stars who went up 3-2 in their first round series with the Minnesota Wild last night. How legit is that team out there? And do you expect them uh, to play in a Western Conference final, Stanley Cup final this year? What's your read on Big Green? Yeah, I was at the game last night. Uh, they're definitely uh, gaining momentum also. Uh, it was it was a great game for uh, Ottinger. He he got the shutout and he looks really strong in the net right now. Um, when you have a goalie playing that hot, it gives the team a lot of confidence. And um, I expect uh, they'll never like to say get too far ahead, but they look really good right now. And and um, you know I think they have the opportunity to do some great things here in the playoffs for sure. Nice little staggered schedule for you, Ed. You can watch Dallas and then the Maple Leafs back and forth. Um, a lot of exciting hockey going on right now. And I'm sure you're really proud of winning playoff series with the Toronto Maple Leafs, but maybe it's time for the next goaltender to win the last playoff series for the Toronto Maple Leafs. It has been too long. Uh, we appreciate you coming on this morning and uh, hopefully we can chat again soon. Good luck to the stars and uh, we'll, we'll all be pulling for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, it's the it's the best time of the year. Uh, I love watching playoff hockey, and of course, go Leafs. That's Ed Belfour, <laughs> former Maple Leaf, two-time Vesna Trophy winner, Stanley Cup champion, and co-founder of Belfour Spirits. Eddie the Eagle, lots of memories. I was a young pup, but I remember fondly, like an Eddie the Eagle there for those kind of kind of last years there. You know what we should have asked him actually. Now that you said that. Goaltenders' masks aren't as good as they oh, once were. Boring and now. he had the he had the eagle. I mean, just classic. Worked. Mm-hmm. It's 
a great mask, great nickname. It just made sense. Does it make sense anymore? Maybe less sense. Well, the torch could be passed from one goaltender to another tomorrow night. We'll tee that up all day on Baby Friday Leafs Lightning, 7 p.m. Thursday. But today we've got Blue Jays and White Sox wrapping up their series. 107 first pitch, Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. It's a nice little day getaway game for you. And you got a kind of a nice open evening to sprinkle some NBA, some NHL in there to wrap up your night. So we'll do our wake and rake. Now, I don't know if we're playing the music or not. Let's do it. All right. Cool. Wake up! There we go. Now it's time for wake and rake. You could be raking in the dough with your kind of accuracy. Show me the money! With Ailish and Justin. I'm going back to the well, going for three in a row, Blue Jays run line. The White Sox are not good. The Blue Jays <laughs> are looking great. Yusei Kikuchi on the mound. Blue Jays on the run line, plus money again. I'm going to put it in my parlay, and I'm going to go for three in a row. Okay. Uh, four games in the association, two. Uh, we haven't had a series end yet in the NHL, and yet we're down to two games. I know we're spreading it out a little bit, maybe getting the Leafs to Saturday night. They might not be playing Saturday night, uh, but that's okay. That's okay. We'll deal with two games. I like that the Lakers are playing at 7.30 tonight. We can get a little uh, LeBron action because I don't want to miss out on LeBron. Like, this could be LeBron's. Uh, we're not We're not there yet, but I wasn't sure we were going to get any more competitive LeBron James, and we're getting it right now. We're getting elite level vintage LeBron James because he's all pissed off at uh, one Dylan Brooks. Are we so fading Dylan Brooks look, again? Looking, <laughs> I... They are four-point dogs. I mean, the Lakers plus the four points might be the play. I also kind of like Knicks plus the five-and-a-half points in Cleveland. They've been the better team so far. Milwaukee hosting uh, Miami must win 11-and-a-half-point favorites. And then Warriors and Kings is the showstopper, the marquee event. Uh, Warriors on the road where they've struggled all year long. Minus one-and-a-half favorites with De'Aaron Fox playing apparently, but with a broken hand. I don't know how you do that as a basketball player. I can't uh, – we never really got to give Jimmy Butler his flowers for the game on the 24th. was two days ago, right? Monday? It would have been, yeah. 56 points. One of the, great, one of the great playoff performances ever. Truly, like in our lifetime, one of the best playoff performances ever. Yeah. Can the Heat pull it out tonight? Like that's pretty wild. <laughs> Insane that we're at this point. It's, it's, it is like they have a chance to close out the series and they're plus 475. Uh, when that is the case, clearly things are going a little bit different than anticipated, at least coming in. I will go to the NHL, though, for my pick. Um, Seattle and Colorado. Just talked to Shana about it mm-hmm. just a little bit. Um, Kale McCarr out. Colorado at home. I think that'll spur something interesting inside you don't the Colorado. Go the like, other way. They've been pushed here. Like we're going to find out about the Colorado Avalanche tonight. In my opinion, are you going to step up with your best player, arguably out for one game at home against a team that is a couple years off expansion and probably premature in terms of being truly competitive. Colorado needs a massive, massive performance. They got to look around the room, look at each other and decide if they want to actually defend their Stanley cup this year. I think that gut check time, (laughs) you were gut check time this morning. Uh, I think Colorado rises to the occasion. I think they win in regulation. The number right now is minus 110. Okay. Avalanche in regulation, minus 110. They save their season without Kale McCart today. Wow. All right. Uh, bold move. See if it pays off. I like the Bruins on the puck line as well tonight. They have the chance to win on home ice, close out that series against the Panthers. I could see even like an empty netter getting them over the puck line. So I will just give that as a free pick, but mine will be 
Blue Jays on the run line. Let's go through some anchor picks. We got Courier Chris saying, you say on the mound over on strikes. Love that. Okay, Jeff and Barry, Jay's on the run line. He's with you. White Sox spends as much time in the batting cage as they do in the tattoo parlor. Anti-tattoos. Lots of tattoos They would on that be a team. much better team. Yeah, Clevenger was Man, I saw up. up close and personal beside the bullpen there. It's like everyone has a neck tat. Um, happy hump day. Lakers plus four and a half and Warriors minus one and a half. That's from Ron and Jules. And I have to apologize because I missed their text yesterday and they Ooh. did send it in. And I'm so sorry. It will never happen again. Okay, that's a promise. Parlay Poppy, the prosciutto prince is here to slice it extra thin. Go to your toolbox and hammer the Bruins to win in regulation. Also parlaying Avalanche with Manchester City. Actually, he's corrected himself. It'll be the Heat plus 11 and a half paired with Manchester City to beat mm. Arsenal. Big, big game he in the EPL. stay away from Colorado with the car suspended. Too risky. Um, Will in Niagara says he's going to change his name to one off Willie because he had one off of his parlay every day. So here's his wake and rake submission. Chappy over hits. Only 82 more RBIs to go. <laughs> go and last go. one, Corey from Port Hope. He likes the under eight and a half Braves and Marlins. The reigning Cy Young winner, I believe, Sandy Alcantara, pitching for Miami. Elder on the mound for the Braves. The Braves are just the Braves. They're great. Okay, so what do you like from that? Uh, we've got one hockey and we've got one baseball. Should we go to an NBA? I think we should appropriately apologize to Ron and Juliana and take one of their picks. And the one I like better than the other would be the Warriors. Like, Sacramento's best player, broken hand, and it's not going to affect, I mean, it's affect, affected the line a little bit, but okay. not to the extent that you'd expect. I think the Warriors take control of the series, win it in six, when it goes back to whatever they called it after the, the Oracle. Beam team again, Chase, eh? Chase Center? Mm-hmm. Chase whatever? Anyway, beam, ba- beam team. All right, well, that one's on you then. Warriors on I mean, I guess I, t- I, I took control there. We got 30 seconds. Do you want to? No, 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 it's good. You're okay with it? Yeah. We owe Juliana. As long as you're okay with it, because it's this was your day. This was your victory lap Why after is it my day? your Looney Dog performance no, no. last night. That's that's yesterday. We start or we finish the way we start, and that's praise for you. Ten Looney Dogs yesterday at the Jays game. A gut check performance for the ages. Oh, I'm gonna go uh sweat this out later. Uh Blue Jays on the run line, abs in regulation, and war- gor- warriors minus one and a half on the spread. That together is plus 670 for your parlay on this Wednesday morning. It's a spicy one. Wish you all the best of luck. All right, Blue Jays, 1 p.m. today. First pitch, 107 with Yusei Kikuchi on the mound wrapping up this three-game series with the White Sox. We'll be back tomorrow. It's a big one in Leafs Nation. Game five, Tampa, Leafs, Scotiabank Arena. Do they get it done? We'll get your vibe check tomorrow on your baby Friday.